Hey, welcome to the Street Shots Podcast. We're the Switch to Manual guys. And I'm Antonio. And I'm Tom. And we're actually having this discussion in person. <laughs> this is yeah. this is totally OG, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. We, Old school. Yeah. We're we were having some uh, Internet issues, so we are setting it up. That's why the audio sounds a little different. We're sharing a mic. You know, it's nice to see you in person. <laughs> yeah. Even though we live right around the corner from each other. I see you all the time. So, anyway, this episode we thought we would talk about, you said curating your pictures, and I, I like to say editing, and you think either is, either is a good way to say it. But how do we choose the pictures that we finally end up showing? Yeah, I think everybody can relate to that experience of coming back from having been out shooting and oftentimes you end up with 5, 10, 20 images of one particular thing. And so you, you know, go through the images and you're looking at them and you're like, okay, which one of these 20, which, which is my favorite? So we thought since that's, since that's a universal experience and uh, the more... You shoot, the more you come to appreciate your own style and what it is that you're trying to do, uh, the the more important that process is. So we just thought we'd make it a little explicit and talk about how we do that. And we, uh, we've we each picked a couple of different shots that kind of fall into that category where we saw something interesting and we took uh, a number of shots and then ended up later um, looking at them and thinking, okay, which, which one's my favorite? Which is the one that I'm going to share of this particular group? So, you know, before I uh, became a professional photographer, I was a photo editor. I, I had both careers, photo editor and, um, and, and photographer sort of together, but I started off doing photo editing. Yeah, so you, you bring that added lens, so to speak, to uh, looking at the images. Yeah, and you know when you said go out to a shoot and come back with twenty pictures, I think you know I'm lucky if I only come back with twenty of one subject because it's so easy with my digital camera, you know, to press that trigger and come back with a lot more. And so yeah. the culling process tends to be a lot more difficult the more pictures I have. So mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean you're gonna oftentimes come back with three or four hundred, maybe a thousand, but you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm thinking about the images that we're using and that there's a couple of things like, you know, I, I was shooting in the street and I saw a particular piece of graffiti that caught my eye. And so I probably took, you know, 20 or 30 pictures of it. Um, and so, yeah, you may come back with, with several hundred images, but sometimes when it comes to the actual, you know, one particular subject within that range of that day shooting, you know, you have however many you have. But yeah, whether it's 10 or, you know, a thousand, it's these principles will apply, you know, as you're looking at the images, you're oftentimes, I think part of, uh, you know, we talk about the magic of photography, part of the fun of it is really kind of studying your own images and, and seeing things that you weren't even consciously aware of when you were in the act of shooting. And so then some images will stand out more. And so in that culling, gleaning process, you may even find yourself moving towards a certain cluster of the images because you see one particular detail that it's like, well, I really like, you know, I like the, this set of images because they contain this this element. You know, just to add to this, I, because I was a photo editor and how important it is to be able to 
look at work and be able to call it down because, like I was saying, you can come back with, you know, thousands of pictures. And you certainly don't want to put thousands of pictures up onto Flickr uh, and have people have to filter through all that stuff to find your good shot. Now, obviously, nobody's going to do that. But even, you know, there's that real tendency to want to say, well, you know, I shot this subject and I, you know, I took a half a dozen shots that I think are really good. I mean, even that might not be, you know, um, that might be too much. You know, so totally. how to yeah. how to take that subject? Like I'm looking at these shots that you have here of the of the graffiti and the and the the stencil on the wall. It's like how do you even get to this point where you've decided to call them down to even six pictures? And then from that, you're going to say, well, you know, they're essentially the same picture, just different angles. How are you going to? What's the criteria that you're going to use to say uh, that's the one I'm going to put and share with everybody? Uh huh. Yeah. Well, let's let's take the graffiti one for example. Um, it's a it's a little boy kind of holding what looks like at first glance a balloon. The balloon is actually um, who's that comedian? Oh, it's it's Charlie Chaplin. Charlie Chaplin, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's funny. Before when I described it, I was thinking it was someone else. So, yeah, so there's Charlie Chaplin's face is sort of the balloon, and so this kind of looks like a Banksy um, drawing to me. You know, yeah, I, have, yeah. I have no idea, but um, this was in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and. You know, the, the other thing we were going to talk about in relation to all this is that when you do stumble upon something that really catches your eye, I mean, oftentimes what we will do is shoot it from a bunch of different angles. And I've said before, I like shooting from the hip and not necessarily always looking through the viewfinder. I'm sure I was using my wide angle lens here. So I, I can tell, you know, I was, I got down on one knee, I, I was shooting, I was just holding the camera down at the ground, pointing up, I got up above the image, looking down on it. And oftentimes, you know, when, when, when you do that, some things just work and some things don't. So I'd say that the first wave of calling is pretty easy, you know. But you I mean, know what? One thing I'm noticing from the pictures is that you shot verticals. You often don't shoot vertical pictures. Yeah, it's true. It, was very, it really it's, lent itself yeah. to a vertical kind of thing yeah. um, because it was actually pretty tall and narrow. And one of the things that's interesting about this image, you can't, uh, I think in this image, you know, you can tell there's above this little boy holding the balloon, which is actually Charlie Chaplin. Above Charlie Chaplin is a crucified Mickey Mouse. And, you know, I'm a big fan of Reverend Billy, who has um, oftentimes gone off on tirades about Disney using sweatshop labor for some of their tchotchkes and various things like that. So... I, I was intrigued by the crucified Mickey Mouse, which, you know, you tend to see that when you're shooting street art. Um, and yet it was a little bit tricky to get all of it together. If the picture tells a story, it's sort of like Charlie Chaplin is thinking about, you know, um, the crucified Mickey Mouse. And, and the little boy holding the balloon is kind of, you know, literally anchoring the whole image but, you know, you're right, Tony, I, I generally, I rarely shoot vertically, and even though I took a bunch of vertical images, the one that I ended up really liking the most, I think, is, is a horizontal image, and it really highlights the boy. To me, that's the interesting thing, um, and, and actually, the, the Charlie Chaplin face is visible, but you have to put a little energy into kind of looking up at the image and saying, you know, oh, what, what is that? And so I actually ended up cutting the um, crucified Mickey Mouse out of the image. So while that was an interesting element to look at, it didn't fit yeah, for the... Yeah, for me, yeah, it did make the final cut. And, yeah. and, you know, I mean, that raises questions of just what it is that you're trying to do, where the image is going, you know, what 
what you're trying to say, if you're shooting art, what was the original artist trying to say? And, you know, maybe I'm being unfair by excluding the crucified Mickey Mouse. It's clearly part of the image, but, you know, for me, it just wasn't in the image that, that I liked the most. So, you know, I think one of the things that um, makes shooting somebody else's art legitimate is the fact that you're creating something new through doing it. And so, you know, so my... My creation ended up, I ended up with a horizontal image that, that really kind of highlights the boy. And you can see Charlie Chaplin, but you have to really um, spend some time with the image to, to make sense of it all. It's interesting you're talking about street art because um, I'm always thinking like, what, is it legitimate to photograph someone else's art? But of course, you're photographing it in a location and there's a sense of context and you're creating something new, like you just said. So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, that's interesting. And well, the picture I'm going to talk about is also having to do with some street art. Someplace in New York City, I think it's on 18th Street. Don't uh, give it away. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's this guy who goes around painting this sort of old-time guy figure, and he's drawing a heart, and uh, in between the heart it says, I heart New York. And it's a giant street painting, and this one is in a parking lot. And I saw it, I just came across it, and a bazillion people have photographed this, of course. I mean, it's in, in the middle of New York City. But I hung out there for a little while because I was really interested in looking at the people crossing in front of it and the juxtaposition between the people and this guy, this painting of the guy doing the heart in the background. So I stayed there for a while and I took probably a few dozen shots and ended up calling it down to maybe about eight or nine shots. And, you know, every shot was slightly different. But what I wanted to do was include a human element. And we were talking about that with Marco last week about street shooting and including the human element. So yeah, I really, yeah. there was a couple of shots where I had just the painting, which I didn't like that much. And I just waited for people to walk by and see who, who made it more interesting. And I finally ended up with a, you know, there was some vertical, I think I shot vertical and horizontal, but the format I ended up in the shot that I liked the best was I cropped it into a square. And I thought there was a really good balance. And now, you know, you I usually shoot my street photography black and white but this had a lot of vivid color in it and so mm-hmm. i have a black and white version of it but it just didn't i don't know it didn't have that pop or something yeah like that. oh yeah i mean so, like like we said in the podcast on color versus black and white some images just call for color yeah right? yeah this one there was a lot of red in it and actually the, the the image is very monochromatic except for the red and so there was this little bit of black and white in it anyway because it's monochromatic mm. but the shot i ended up with is a woman is walking by and the where her head is positioned it looks like the painted figure is going to step on her and so that sort of became an easy pick for me because you know i wanted the human element i wanted some whimsy in it and so i i looked through the shots and i didn't even realize i did that when i was shooting for some reason i wasn't paying attention to like the exact timing of, of sure. someone's yeah. head uh-huh. but this one was fun because I, I ended up exploring the same location for a little while and waiting and waiting and waiting. That's kind of what we do all the time, you know, wait for something to happen and wait for something to happen. So, you know, that's what I did. I just stayed in the same place. People were walking by. They probably saw me with my camera, so it became, you know, an okay experience. And mm-hmm. um, But that's the one I settled on. Was yeah, this. Yeah. But there was another shot. There's a shot with this other guy over here walking with a bag. Mm-hmm. And then the only thing I didn't like about that, uh, and we'll put these up in the in the show notes so people can see the picture, but he has a hat and he's carrying a bag, and I liked his position in relationship to the street painting in the background, except that there was this other figure 
in the side, and I couldn't really crop that. Yeah, out. yeah, so, yeah. Well, that's a, that's, but that's interesting. I mean, that's the kind of thing that you know, um, like you can just imagine that image—the guy in the beige overcoat with hat and the white bag. You know, if that person in the far right were not in the image, it would be so much cleaner, and there'd be sort of a purity. You know, exactly what you have in the image that you ended up going with. You know, and. I think it's interesting too, Tony, you know, you mentioned that, um, you know, a ton of people have photographed this, you know, it's in a very visible place, but, you know, at the same time, it's sort of like, what's going to happen to those other images and who sees those other images and, you know, and, and, and regardless of what happens to those other images, you know, what, what have you created and who's going to see what you did, you know? So it's really, I just think it's, it's worth noting that we could probably do a whole podcast on that. On you know shooting something, the Eiffel Tower or the Brooklyn Bridge, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know there's always that thing that sort of like the inner critic that gets in the way of any creative activity. Oh, why take a picture of that? You know everybody has a picture of that, but you know here you have produced something really unique and cool, I think, and so it just goes to show that there's that everybody has something to offer, and even if you know a ton of other people have photographed something. If you're intrigued by it, just take a few minutes, take a few shots, and see see what you get. Right. You've you've never photographed that before, so your right. your viewpoint of it is just as valid as anybody else's. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And part of that, if notice, is that when you put things up online, or you share pictures that other people have taken, you, it's a it's a great way to bond with the other people who have taken that same shot. Because mm-hmm. someone will say, "Hey, I was there, mm-hmm. and I took that picture," and I'm like, "Oh, really? You know?" And so. And, you know, everybody takes it slightly differently. So nobody, you know, it might be a very similar scene. I found that it's a great way to bond with other people, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's part of just being part of the community of photographers doing similar things. So, okay, so I'll I'll jump to another set of of my images. Um, This was over at the Brooklyn Museum. In Brooklyn. Yeah, (laughs) in Brooklyn. We love Brooklyn. And... It's kind of, it's actually in the parking lot of the Brooklyn Museum, and there's this sculpture of, uh, I presume this is a Native American on a horse. Um, you know, it caught my eye, and again, this is, you know, it's something I've seen before. Um, when you go to the Botanic Gardens, you know, you end up sometimes passing this sculpture, and uh, but it just intrigued me. You know, I've actually been thinking a lot about um, indigenous cultures lately, and so partially because where I was coming from, it just really called to me. So I walked over and started shooting. And again, um, I was just playing around with different perspectives and angles, kneeling, holding the camera up, down low, you know, just playing around. The sun was kind of bright. And so I ended up also sort of getting a silhouette type of image. And so when I when I got home and and actually one of the images there's there's also a you know kind of a miniature I guess it's about twenty or thirty feet tall um, Statue of Liberty also in the parking lot of the Brooklyn Museum so I thought you know at one point I thought oh this might be interesting have the kind of forlorn looking First Nations uh, Native American person with the Statue of Liberty in the background. Um, but when I got home and looked at the images, like, nah, it doesn't really work. You know, it didn't really do anything for me. And it was one of those things, as I think oftentimes happens, you know, when you're looking at a, a set of images and you're just like, that's the one, you know, I, there's the one I ended up selecting. The, the entire horse is visible. Some of them just kind of chopped off 
the horse's head. And uh, the one I ended up really liking, it's again, it's I like the horizontal look and the horse is stretched in a horizontal direction and the trees in the background and a little bit of the earth at the base of the image and the Native American himself is kind of centered and silhouetted. Yeah, so that one that one just jumped out at me. This is the kind of thing though that you're in the place and you're you're looking at the juxtaposition with the Statue of Liberty in the in the uh-huh. The, the sculpture and your mind is saying, "Wow, that's great!" And yeah. You take the shot and you go back and you say, oh, "It doesn't work." Right. It just yeah. You know, I have that a lot in the, in my neighborhood when I'm shooting in the neighborhood, and I'll see people next to each other and the, the juxtaposition uh-huh. of the cultures. Yeah. Right. You know, and my eye is seeing that, and I take a picture and I get back and I'm looking at it, and no matter how many angles I had gotten it from, it doesn't work. Uh-huh. And so it's it's kind of hard to take that picture and just put it aside and say you know this was something i experienced with my eyes it didn't work as a photograph at least that that time sometimes it can work but Uh exactly yeah yeah there's we sometimes need to separate that emotional part of Mm -hmm. what we see when we take the picture and then when you look at it you know removed you know a few hours or even a few days whenever you go back and edit it sometimes it's actually good to remove yourself from the pictures and not edit immediately i mean it looks like you come right home and edit and and i know i do too so i'll take shots and i'll put them on my ipad and i'll start editing them and putting them on instagram but there is something to be said for pausing for Mm -hmm. some period of time before you go back and and look at those shots again yeah absolutely i mean sometimes i do it quickly but sometimes i i do end up you know you end up shooting other things and before and but it's fun if you're excited about an image and you know it's buried in your camera somewhere amongst other images you're like Oh, I can't wait to you know get back get back to that one right because you knew when you looked at it you're like okay <laughs> yeah that was I the had shot something. I got something yeah. uh-huh. you know it was interesting on our last episode Marco Larousse was talking about how he's not sharing any pictures until he actually prints them that's right yeah and, yeah and you know talk about the amount of steps that you're taking before you I mean you have to you know he has to spend some time figuring out what image he wants to print because you have to go through some work to print the image and I know he's doing. I know he's doing darkroom work. I don't know if he's doing inkjet printing either. But either way, it's a bit of energy and time. So his process seems to be a little bit longer in terms of uh, before he picks that shot to show to everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it makes it clearly takes it to a whole other level of intentionality and just the discipline of, of doing that. Yeah. So the, the other shot I wanted to talk about was this portrait uh, I took, which is rare for me to actually go up to somebody and ask them, to take their picture but this guy is a, a middle eastern food vendor in the city but we're like friends every every other week i meet him and i get some street meat from him and he tells me about his family in egypt and i finally had my camera with me and i just said hey can i just take your picture and you know i had like 40 seconds to take his picture because he's making food for me so I didn't yeah want it to burn so it was winter, and so he put on his hat, and he, and he put a couple of poses on, and I fired off a few pictures. You know, I got my food and went home and was mm-hmm. very satisfied. <laughs> and when I looked at the, you know, pictures, I ended up with what I thought was a very kind of straightforward image of him. It was kind of centered. You know, there's a couple of shots of him, like, tilting his head, and he wasn't, he was giving me sort of a neutral expression. Mm-hmm. But... The shot I went with was is pretty much he's not moving his head. He's just looking right at the camera. He's got a pleasant face. I don't know. What engaged. He's a little engaged. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I showed him the picture too. He liked it a lot. So cool. Yeah. I mean, but, it might be neat to print out. You know. Yeah, I should print out in honor of Marco. Give it, give yeah. it to him. Yeah. 
But I went with that straightforward picture, uh, and I actually went and centered it. Um, I liked the centering of the picture. There was some other shots where it was off on a side. And I usually like to shoot portraits off to the side, but this one felt centered. I didn't square the picture off mm -hmm. because I wanted to see his food cart on the left side of the picture mm -hmm. and the street on the right side of the picture. And if I thought I cropped it out too much, you wouldn't have seen those bits and pieces of the background. And to me, that was important because... He's this food vendor who works in the city. And to me, yeah, his it, life is on the street. Right. Yeah. And, and the story is there in the picture. It's, it's mm -hmm, him. Mm -hmm. He's got this old Navy outfit on. Uh, you know, you can see his food cart and you can see 58th Street in the background. So this one wasn't that hard to choose from. This one, that center picture popped out right away. To yeah, me. absolutely, man. Yeah, I, that's I, I would think I would immediately, you know choose that one as well and it's interesting looking at at the just this grouping which people can see we'll put them in the show notes yeah they'll be in the show notes you know some some of the images are are kind of dark and they're and they're interesting you know but but that that one i mean even even the other one that's very similar you know he feels a little to me a little um less engaged he's somehow yeah. very front and center and like you said the way he's kind of bridging the, the food cart and the street. And he's just really occupying that center space with so much kind of grace and dignity and power. I mean, I, I think it's a great portrait. Nice, yeah. And, you know, we, we were talking about this, you know, offline before, but, like, what is it about, like, a shot? You know, you might photograph a person and you got, like, six shots of them. Maybe it's a street shot that you're walking and you're taking a shot, but the one shot where their their eyes are looking right at you. Yeah. You know, uh -huh. so you've got the five pictures and maybe... The four pictures are like good body gestures or they're really sharp and in focus, but then the guy's not looking at you. Yeah. And then that there's that one shot where the person's looking right at you or right at the camera. It might be a little fuzzy, might be a little blurry, might not be the most technically perfect picture. I would probably go with the shot where the guy's looking in the camera. Yeah, absolutely. Know? Yeah. No, that's Dozier Hastings, you know, the editor of the Brooklyn Eagle once said to me we were looking at images and he said this is the one you know and i noticed it was the one where the person subject was looking right at the camera and there was just something arresting and engaging about that and i've never forgotten that lesson you know and oftentimes that will be the image i mean obviously in many candid shots people are not looking right at you but but when you're looking at a group of images oftentimes that will be the one yeah and not to always go for the shot that's technically perfect mhm mm yeah and often you know uh, i'm looking at this shot of yours the statue of the horse of the native american uh -huh. and the sky is a little is a little hot yeah. you know uh -huh. but it doesn't matter because yeah. that's not the picture is not about the sky it's about this i actually think it's a very strong shot and the fact that the sky is blown out uh -huh. makes it even stronger. I wouldn't want to see the sky or the clouds. Or yeah, like yeah. So it almost looks like bringing a... the clouds out more. Yeah, but it's kind of, there's something ethereal about yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, you know? yeah. You know, someone might look at that and say, the sky is overexposed. And, mm -hmm. and why don't you expose for the sky? It's like, well, that's not the subject. Yeah, you know? right. So we get sort of caught up in this technical, you know, the cameras we have today, we can take really perfectly exposed pictures and, you know, autofocus is really great. But, you know, I, I think we can't get hung up in all that technical stuff because once we do, we're going to lose pictures and subjects that uh, we should share. Yeah. And I, I think your, your earlier point, I think it's, it's what you're still, you know, elaborating on is just that it's not all about finding the perfect one and, you know, that there's, 
you're, you're going with your heart, you know, your sense of like, okay, which, which is the image here? And oftentimes, obviously, when you're dealing with people, especially, I mean, this is a sculpture, but when you're, when you're dealing with people, you know, it, the image you end up going with might not be the one that's technically precise, but it conveys something that is what's important to you. Yeah. And I mean, sort of the last bit of advice, <laughs> I say before we wrap it up, yeah. really spend some time editing your pictures. We all don't want to go through and look at, you know, 40 shots that you took of the food vendor or the sculpture, you know. Right, right. Well, do that work. For find the, the best one. Find the best one. You know, doesn't mean that you can't put a few online and ask some people for advice. I mean, that's also a great way to do it. If you're not sure about it, you know, you put a few up and you say, can people give me some feedback and which one is the strongest? Yeah, I will oftentimes take two images if, I, if I'm down to two and I'll just show somebody on my computer i'll say hey which which one of these do you like and then i usually go with the other one <laughs> no i'm just kidding <laughs> but it's always interesting just to see what they say see it through somebody else's eyes you yeah know? So yeah say, hey which, which what do you think but sometimes you know and you look at that shot and you get you can feel it yeah you just feel it and you're like i know that's the shot yeah that's the one yeah. exactly that's, so. a, that's a great feeling so I th- that we need to continue this subject because this is much bigger than what we can squeeze into this one episode i mean yeah, it pertains to putting together a show too, you know, because then you're gleaning from, you know, the images that you've already selected that you like and then trying to find themes. And yeah, right. so there's a lot we could do with yeah, this. Yeah, how to edit your work is something that uh, we cannot teach in a half an hour, but mm. is uh, something that's worth spending time on. Well, that was good. Yeah, I enjoyed that. that. Was fun. Yeah, and it's fun actually being in person here. Yeah. <laughs> so where can people find us? Facebook, Flickr, Twitter. Yeah, so. Let's do our website. Our website is switchtomanual.com. And we are on Facebook, like you said. We like the little thumbs up button. Please thumb up. Give us thumbs up. You know, we like that. It feeds our ego. No. <laughs> and sharing is always good. Sharing is good. Yeah, we put our pictures up there. We're on Google+. Plus. We have a community there that we're trying to get kick-started. So why don't you join us there? It's a great place to share pictures. Uh, we have a Flickr group, which you can get to from our website. We are on Twitter at switch, the number two manual. So switch to manual. And if you have any feedback or suggestions, we'd appreciate hearing from you guys. And you can email us at info at switch to Or you could send us something through Twitter or Facebook. Either way, we're going to hear you. And uh, I think our next episode is going to have a, we're going to have another interview with a with a photographer. So yeah. Should we leave it as a surprise? Well, let's tell folks just uh, quickly. It's going to be um, photojournalist Ron Haviv, H-A-V-I-V. Uh, so, so no surprises. <laughs> no surprise. No. I mean, let's give folks advance notice because you're not going to want to miss this. He's uh, one of the preeminent photojournalists in the world, and we're super lucky that he's going to he's granted us an interview. So it's going to be fun. Yeah, it'll be fun. So that's it for this week, and uh, we'll see you later. Adios. Mm-hmm.